2 Corinthians 3 verses 2 to 3. And this is a, a, an amazing passage of scripture. I've called the sermon Living Epistles. Who knows what an epistle is? A letter. Someone said, I couldn't, can't actually hear you. Letter, a letter. So uh, in chapter 3 it says, You yourselves are our letter or are our epistle, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter or you show that you are an epistle from Christ, the result of our ministry, and, and which is, in a sense, they're saying it to all of us, the result of their ministry. This is the ministry. The New Testament is the ministry, the result of the ministry of the apostles. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. How amazing is that? Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. The Holy Spirit writes the Word of God into our heart, into our life, if we allow Him to. Um, and it's the interesting thing I'm, I'm, I find with Christianity is it's a two-way thing. It's a relationship faith. You can't just assume God will do all these things in you if you don't allow Him, step into His presence and work with Him on yourself to change you. You know, and a lot of people have this uh, false uh, idea that it's vicarious, meaning it just happens without your having anything to do with it. But it's not like that. Who's found that over the years? Like if you, if you come into the faith thinking that, then after 20 years you find you're really no different than you were 20 years before. And that's the unfortunate thing we're seeing in the church. And we're not getting taught that we have responsibility. We have a responsibility to Christ. We are to be living epistles, living letters that people, when they read your life, they see Christ. You know? You're like a, like a Bible in a sense. And some people will never, ever read, a um, outside of reading your life, they might never read a Bible. There was a, a quote that we had last week to that effect that you might be the only Bible people will ever read. And so we've got, to, we've got to make sure that we are readable. Amen? And then when they're reading us, they're not getting a false message. They're not getting a deluded message. They're not getting um, the wrong thing being stated or the wrong doctrines being shared. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's an amazing um, thing, and I really wanted to sort of hone in on this today and, and talk about... The practicality of this because we can get very spiritual about it and, and you walk out of here and you think well how do i apply that into my life or we can get practical with it and you know and we can walk out and say i've, I've got an idea now how to apply this into my life and that's what i want to talk about today so i want to quickly look at the lord is the word because it, it's talking about living epistles written on the tablets of our heart by the spirit of god the word of god is written and in john 1 1 Many of you will probably know John 1.1 uh, from memory. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so the word, the word Word is a word called Logos in Greek. So Logos is the Greek term translated as Word. It is, it's also translated as speech, principle, thought, and in Greek philosophy, it is also referred to a universal divine reason of, or the mind of God. 
So it has a lot of, like if, if it said in the beginning was, the, was speech and speech was with God and speech was God, that would make sense to the word logos. But I think word is more applicable in this sense. So the word is written on our hearts. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. The word is Christ. Amen. So when you read the word in the New Testament, you're reading Christ in in uh, a, a form which we can, like people say, have you ever met Christ? Yes, I have. I've read the New Testament. I've read, met with Christ. And the Spirit of God guided me to understand what was written. And then he guided me to apply what was written into my life so I get life change. Amen? You are what you eat. Who's heard that term? You are what you eat. I like that. It's a funny looking spinach man. Popeye. You are what you eat. So you have heard the famous statement, you are what you eat. This statement is true on two levels. Firstly, physically. And you know a lot of people in the, in the Christian body, I believe, depart before their time. Can depart. Not, not all, but some can because if they, you know, if you don't look after your body, what happens? Yeah. You know, we, we've been given this body, we've got to treat it carefully. You know, it's, it's on loan. You know what I mean? We don't own it. It's owned by God. And if, just say Jesus came up to you and he said, and he said to you, I'm going to give you this Ferrari. Now look, at our, look after it. Would you drive it around and smash into things? And you know what I mean? Would you treat it shamefully, you know, um, and do burnouts in it and all that sort of stuff if you knew it belonged to Jesus? You'd be very careful to look after your car. The same way when Jesus gives us our body, he wants us to look after it. He wants us to care for it, nourish it correctly, find out even, do some research, find out how, the best way to do it. Because, you know, a lot of people are just not aware of how to look after the body. Some people like me, I'm aware of how to look after my body and I still don't look after it properly. You know, I eat the wrong food sometimes. Who's, who's um, guilty of that? Big bag of Doritos in the cupboard? Don't buy Doritos. That's my first tip. Don't buy any of those things. We just, no, no, twisties. John and I made a stand the other day. We said, no more junk food, chips and stuff. Only chocolate. I had to keep the chocolate. <laughs> just get rid of the one thing at a time. Eventually, no more milk chocolate, only dark chocolate. Hey, John. Yeah. That will stop the girls from eating chocolate. But from a spiritual perspective, we become like him on whom we feed. And, and you might find that strange. You know, this is not cannibalism I'm promoting here. This is Jesus' words. Let's go to John 6. Turn in your Bibles. John 6:47. You know, I think this is some of the deepest, some of the deepest teachings that Jesus ever taught. It was certainly the hardest teaching that the disciples had to deal with. Who knows that? Like, and it's interesting. Straight after Jesus um, preached this, if you go to John 6 verse 66, which is John 6:66. 6, 6, 6, it says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So this is how 
uh, provocative this teaching was in that day, that is, the, many of the disciples, because there was, when it says these disciples, there was hundreds, if not thousands of them, but there was the 12 disciples who he designated apostles. So they didn't leave. But a lot of the disciples left him. Because Jesus is telling them to feed on him. On him. And if you are what you eat, from a spiritual perspective, we've got to feed on the Lord. And if the word written here is the living word in print form, then that's what he's sort of referring to. Amen? He's also, but this so deep. This can go so deep. You could probably do um, a string of sermons on the theological aspect, different theological aspects of this teaching. But it says in John uh, 6.47, and it says, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. Then he says, I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But... There is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If a man eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you can eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, that, that's telling us that it, it's not, you know, try, you know, have a taste or anything. It's like you must, you must understand this teaching of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So you, to remain in him, you must eat his flesh and drink his blood daily. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me, there's the word, feeds on me, will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Our forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. So unless you feed on Jesus Christ, you won't remain in him. To remain in Jesus, you must eat his flesh and drink his blood. Now, we can't think of this as a physical, from a physical perspective, because, you know, it's not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. Who's always found that quite, quite hard to read, even, the wording? You know, and you can understand how so many disciples walked away from Jesus. But if you see it for what it is, the Spirit gives us life. The Spirit, we've got to drink off the Spirit. And the Spirit is His blood. He washes us by His Spirit. He washes us with His blood. So we drink of the Spirit of God. We taste and see that the Lord is good by drinking of the Spirit. And we also... Uh, to eat his flesh, we've got to get his word into us. We've got to eat his word. Amen? Spiritually. We've got to, you know, mull it over in our mouth in a sense. We've got to taste it. And we've got to chew it. Chew it and make sure that we really digest it properly. Amen? Because this is real food. And the spirit is real drink. 
and it can sustain us. It will sustain us forever and ever. But unless you do that, you have no part with him and you will not receive eternal life. You are what you think. So we've got you are what you eat. And I came up with a whole bunch of other ones because it all relates to this same um, teaching. You are what you eat. You are what you think. The power of thought cannot be underestimated. What we think about becomes the person we are. Who knows that? You wake up in the morning, I taught on this, I touched on this last week. We become what we think about most of the time. You can't be any more than what's going on in here. If in here is negativity and anger and aggression and everything is frustrating and all that stuff, it's just going to come out. It, it will eventually, I'll just knock me thing off, it will eventually come out. You know what I mean? Who knows people like that? That every time they open their mouth, you just get nothing but negativity. You know, if you work in um, you know, a factory or if you work among tradies and stuff, you always come across guys with such negative attitudes. Their mind is filled with negativity. And, and what used to surprise me, this is when Vina and I first uh, got married, we started going to church. I was shocked at how many negative Christians we came in contact with. And how many rude Christians we came in contact. So you go into church, you're expecting to come around a whole bunch of people filled with the Spirit and happy and joyful in Christ and all this, and you get the complete opposite. You get the shocking life. Not from everyone. There was a, some, a huge amount of beautiful people, but we've met some really, really rude, obnoxious people and obviously had never got control of what's going on in here. This thing, even after they accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour, kept on operating the same way it always did. There's got to be a change here. Yeah. And that's why I always think, you know, if you can't think good thoughts, then wash them in the Word of God. Yeah. Get the thoughts of God. And, you know, it's usually when you're not thinking well that you can't find yourself reading the Bible either. Who's noticed that? When you're not in a good place, you just can't pick up the Scriptures. Well, it's actually, when you're not in a good place, that's the time to pick up the Scriptures. That's the time to go somewhere and think from a different perspective. Think according to the Word of God by translating what would have been a negative thought into a godly thought. And if you have to sit there for the next hour and translate all your thinking in alignment with the Word of God and then dwell on it and think on it and go over it and read it again and read it again until it starts to change your attitude. You know? And so a lot of the time I believe that the reason why Christians cannot see change in their life is because they haven't changed, bothered to change their thinking and they don't spend time in the Word of God. They don't get to know what the Bible really says. You know what I'm saying? So thinking is critical because thinking translates into speaking. Speaking translates into actions. And actions translate into habits. And habits translate into character and changes who you are. You know what I mean? So it's so important we, we get control of our thinking. Think godly thoughts for many other thoughts of your mind. Choose to think godly thoughts. You know, when if you wake up not in a good place, just ask yourself this question. What's going on inside here right now? What's going on in here? Because that's where, that's the seed of consciousness, isn't it? That's where our... In a sense, that's where, where uh, our soul and our mind are 
placed into the physical brain and that's why we seem to when we're thinking we're thinking from this point aren't we it's up here in the brain so and and straight away the first thing that's connected to that brain is your eyes like right there bang so I'm gonna I'm gonna say you are what you see is another thing or you are what you look at because it's all connected everything's connected to it be careful what you think about for if you keep negative thoughts too long they eventually become part of your character and you know, we probably know people currently who have been thinking negative thoughts for far too long. Mm -hmm. And now when they open their mouths, they can't say anything except bitter, bitter things, angry things, frustrated things. Uh, thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, and habits become character. And let's go to Psalm 19, 14. Who's receiving this today? can't deny it. Well, you can. You can try to. Let God be true and every man a liar. Yes. Psalm 19, 14. May the words of my mouth, and this is the part that I wanted to bring to you, and the meditation of my heart, which is another way of saying that the things that I think about in my mind when I'm meditating in God, May the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. May the things I think about, because you know that Jesus says he's going to judge us for our thoughts. So how important is, us, uh, is it for us to think correctly? You know, And you know what? Um, from another perspective, and this is um, just for a moment, I'm, I'm coming away from the, physical, uh, the spiritual perspective to the mental perspective for a second. Um, from a worldly perspective, do you know a lot of the most successful people on the planet had a shift in the way they think? And they changed their thinking and the way they look at things and suddenly they become successful. And it's like this, if you want to uh, be as successful as someone else in your field, you find out the thought patterns that that person holds. You find out how they think. You find out how they tick every day. What time do they wake up? What do they do when they wake up? You, you, and if you start to do the same things that person does, it translates into the same levels of success or near to. And they've discovered that. And that's why there's all these, you know, when if you uh, work for different companies where they're really, you know, trying to really move the um, company forward, they'll have all these seminars and people will be coming in and teaching very similar types of things. The only reason it's true is because God made it that way. It's not because they've got any you know, newfound secrets. It's just that these, God made it that this is the way it is. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's so important that we learn to think the way we're supposed to think. You are what you say. So Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So those who love death or those who love life. If you, wanna, if you love life, you'll eat the fruits of life. If you love death, or at least if you consider the things that are of that spirit, you will eat the fruits of the thing. So if you have, a, if you have your roots into bitterness, if your roots in your life are set down into bitterness, don't expect there to be happiness coming out at the top. You know, your branches will be according to what the root is set into. Who knows if you put a tree in the ground, like I've got um, clients that I go 
go to and they say, I can't seem to plant anything in that spot. Everything I plant there just dies. Obviously, there's something toxic right there. And, you know, there's different things you can do in relation to it. But the point is, is if you put something and it sets its roots down and there's a poison down there, it'll kill the person. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. So our tongue brings it forth. But it starts with thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now keep in mind here, this is Paul saying to... So a man saying to other men and women, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So he's saying this is what your responsibility. You must not let corrupting talk come out of your mouth. And I've, had, I've talked to uh, about this many times is when you say something like, you know, when Anthony used to come to train, we would say, uh, anyone who swears in this gym has to do 30 push-ups. It's amazing how quickly people stop swearing. Right? You can control your speech. You can control the things that you say. But the other thing is we've got to make sure that we control uh, uh, so many areas. And we've, got to, we've got to pay more careful attention to what we allow ourselves to start discussing. You know, And it's easy if you get around your mates who aren't Christian to just start discussing things that you know you shouldn't really be discussing and you know you shouldn't be laughing at the things you're laughing at. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, And we all do it. We get around people that make us get ourselves involved in corrupting conversation. And the things we say, we know we could never say these things before God. Uh, Matthew 15, 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person. So if you want to wonder, if you wonder what, how you end up defiled, it's because of what you're saying, if you feel that you're getting defiled. James 1.26, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And uh, as I've said many times in relation to religion, the word religion has got copped a pretty bad rap in recent times. Um, but what I'm saying, if anyone thinks he is a Christian and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart and his, and his Christianity is worthless. So how important is it to control our tongue? We don't want to have a, a worthless life. I tell you on the day of judgment, people give account for every careless word they speak. Man, I have to give an account for a lot there are so many words that I've spoken carelessly in my life, I can't count. All I can do is say, Lord, please forgive me for all of them and help me not to get involved in them anymore because I've spoken a lot of careless words. Who, who can say the same thing? Who's yeah. just let it, you know? But he's going he's gonna to hold us accountable to all of it. So get clean with God now and say, Lord, forgive me for every careless word. Amen. You are what you read. Read corrupting literature and get corrupted. Read the Word of God and get transformed. Amen. And you know, um, it, it's when when us when we talk about reading, read good stuff. Like the Bible is paramount. The Bible is daily food. The Bible is something you just got to pick up daily, and you never finish reading the Bible. You never get to the point where you put the Bible down and say, "I finished that." That's not a, it's not a book like that. It's not a story that you get to the end of and you don't have to read it again. It's a book that is constantly for you to look 
through and look over. It's a manual to life. It's and it, it holds the secrets of eternity within its pages, and it's just you can't explain just how vast the Bible is, and you will never, ever, ever get to the bottom of it. And I can tell you now, you'll probably spend eternity in, in the kingdom of heaven and you will still be finding things out that are in scripture. Yes. That's why for the last 2,000 years, there's been millions and millions of ministers preach from this thing and we've never got to the end of what they can preach and teach on and the ways that you can use it to apply to your life. So the Bible is paramount. But there's also other books that are helpful in life too. There's other things that you can read that can really bless you. There's, you know, um, there's even now with the internet, there's websites that you can go to and learn stuff about, you know, interesting things. Um, so there's, there's, it's not just, you know, I'm not teaching that all you do is stay in the Bible and that's it, don't read anything else, because there's a lot of brilliant Christian books around, but there's a lot of other stuff as well. Um, so just make sure that what you're reading is building you up and edifying you and helping you to move forward in your life. Amen? So the things you read and apply to your life become part of your makeup. Make sure that you read what, so what you read is wholesome and uplifting. The Bible should be that one book you never finish reading. That's what I said earlier. It is a daily bread. Good carbs. People down like, like bread, and I love bread, but you know, I try to eat as little as possible. But it's good carbs. You know, puts on muscle. Spiritual muscle. And you eat it daily. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Let's go there. It says, in 3, 16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's what the scriptures promise. But if you don't read it, guess what? It doesn't happen in your life. So you just got to put aside a little bit of time. And I would suggest um, sometimes, who, who's ever started a reading plan of the Bible? And Anyone? Put up your hand if you've actually started, ever started in your whole life. If you've ever tried to read the whole Bible in one year. Who found it tough? Yeah. Yeah? And who, who found it when, once you started hitting numbers and you know books like that and you have to read like five chapters and it's just name after name after name and you know it gets a bit fatiguing doesn't it you just oh, i end up skipping skipping <laughs> but um i don't think that's really that beneficial um when you if that's if you're new to scripture i think the best thing to do is to read less but read it over quite a bit so i would suggest one chapter which is not too long and read it and maybe read it three and four times in the read sitting in, when you read it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that way you can sort of really consider what's being said until you really understand it. Because, you know, I can read um, scripture and just, if I just keep reading, sometimes I can completely lose track of what's, what the author's saying. Who's had that experience? You're just reading on and then before you know it, it's just words and you're just yeah. reading words and nothing's happening. So what's the use in that? There's no use in that. What you do is you stop, you know, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Well, what a scripture to fall on. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. You know, really dwell on what it's saying. People will be lovers of themselves, etc. It's heavy. I won't go there because I'll probably start preaching on that. 
really want to preach on that. Maybe next week. Um, Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. So it's not just a matter of reading, it's a matter of putting it into practice, isn't it? Which is why I say, don't just read the words until they don't make any sense to you. Read, reread, reread, reread until your mind processes what you're reading. And then you've got a better chance of putting it into practice because it's in there. Even memorizing scripture, important scriptures, is also another way of really embedding it into your consciousness. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, so you can hear the word of God, but if you don't put it into practice, you're like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Yeah. So you can see the importance of this. You don't want your Christian life to fall with a great crash. You want your Christian life to stand strong. Be able to stand against all the storms of life. Everything that can be thrown against you, nothing can be too tough because you'll be able to handle it because you're strong in God. Amen? You are what you do. So I thought I'd put someone there running. You become a runner if you run. You've got to do that, Sharon? Good luck with that. Good luck. All right. Um, find another walking. Maybe walking. No. 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 When you meet somebody, you usually ask the question, so what do you do? Have you ever met somebody and you're just standing there and that person is looking at you, waiting for the question? Have you ever had that? And you just sort of stand there, oh, so what do you do? And it's the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Am I right? And Sorry? In conversation. In conversation. And the reason you say that is you try to find common ground, don't you? You try to find something, oh, so you've been to that. And, um, and then you try to talk on that subject. And also you can get a sense of the person a little bit quicker by finding out what they do. Mm. And the reason you do this is to get an idea of the kind of person they are and the kind of work that they do. So when I'm, when I'm trying to talk to someone, I don't just find out their work, because sometimes, you know, they say, you know, I'm, I'm a carpenter or something. I said, do you enjoy your work? No. <laughs> oh, great. All right. So where do you go from here? And then you've got to find out well, what's your hobbies? What's the things you're interested in? And uh, that's when you ask, you, you know, a, a lot of, a series of questions to get deeper into the life of that person. And as you do that, you find out more and more and more about the person and the kind of person they are. And as you start asking them, you know, the kinds of shows they watch on TV, you find out more and more about the kind of people they are. All these things that you do become who you are. The things that you're spending your time doing every day is the person that you become. Hobbies, things that you consider, you know, hobbies in your life, they're, they're who you are. The TV, the thing, if the time you spend in front of the TV transforms who you are. And I think spending too much time in front of the TV, and I know sometimes I, I can do that at the end of the day because I'm so, so exhausted at the end of the day sometimes. There's, I'm so mentally fatigued that I just sit down and go like this and I, I really got to get out of that habit. Um, usually at around nine o'clock and you just see a bunch of garbage and then you go to sleep. Um, and it's not a, good, not a good routine to fall into. 
Um, and so TV can be very affecting in the creating a kind of person that you don't want to be. Social media can do that. You know, I'm amazed how pe far people have been caught into social media. And it affects them. You know, because everything is based on, you know, what kind of reception do I get when I upload an image? You know, how many thumbs up did I get on that image? You know, they're all concerned about that. Everyone's concerned about that. That's why I don't have, um, bother using Facebook or any of those things anymore, because I don't want to be concerned about that sort of stuff. I used to try to, um, years ago I was trying to get an Instagram account going and even for the church I tried to do things on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and all that, just drove me insane. I still do, every time I upload a video I upload it to those media platforms, but I don't try to drum up interest because it's a waste of time and I, I realise that people's interest in what you're doing on Facebook is so short. Like you think about it, if you go in to someone's account and they've just uploaded a photo, you go and have a look at their photo, you're only looking at it for a, a second or two and then you've passed it, you're gone, you might write a quick comment, oh, you look great, you know, and you're gone. And really, what sort of interaction was that? And the effort that people are going to with that, I think is just crazy. But it also changes the kinds of concerns that you have in life. It becomes, you become concerned about that rather than concerned about real life that's happening right in front of you. Social media does that, as I just said. Um, also games. Kids that, you know, um, play these violent games on, on computers. You know, you know, down on the Southern Expressway, the, there was these kids that were getting um, on the Southern Expressway throwing rocks yeah. on cars travelling past. What drives them to do that? You know, I just think, well, they're probably playing really violent games where um, they're probably, you know, smashing driving into pedestrians in cars and all these sorts of things. What, what was that game? Um, Grand Theft Auto or whatever? Yes, yeah, if you see the games they're playing, it's like, man, this isn't good for the soul. There's a new one. Sorry? There's a new one, Fortnite. It's a 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 a kick out of throwing a big rock into someone's windshield as they're driving down a road. And they'll probably get a bigger kick if that car rolled and smashed into three other cars that all rolled. And they would love that. You know, but it's wrong, isn't it? And so those kids have been changed by whatever they're into. Um, Clay Bolden Harris, who's heard of Clay Bolden Harris? It's, uh, yeah. Joe Schimmel does an expose on, uh, called They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll, and Clay Bolden Harris. Um, were these uh, two guys that went into a school and shot up uh, heaps of kids. This is back when school shootings were sort of uh, relatively new. Um, they're, now they're frequent over there. But, um, was that Columbine? Sorry? Was that Columbine? Columbine. Yeah. Columbine. That's the one, Columbine. And the, when they did the investigation, and they didn't release this um, to the general public, but I think uh, it, it, you could get it if you started researching into these guys' lives, they found that the stuff that was on their iPod that they'd just been listening to, there was one, um, they were listening to band, um, guys like Eminem and, and a range of others, but there was this certain song that they were listening to and the, the words of that song were saying things to the effect of, uh, get them in your sights, swap down like a, like a hunter, get them in your sights and take them out. And, and so the words were telling them to do the very thing they did and they acted out the words of this song to the to the letter. 
And then it said at the end of the oh, during the song, once you've done that, blow your brains out. And guess what they both did at the end? After they killed all these kids, and they killed Christians, they were aiming for Christians. They actually had Christians bound up. There was one recording where they showed um, them, you know, trying to get the Christian to turn from Christianity, um, or else they're going to blow their brains out. And the girl was saying, "No way, I'm not going to do that." And so she shot her. So it, it's terrible. But the thing is, is that influence of what they were listening to had a massive influence on the kind of outcome of those kids' lives. You know, so we can't underestimate the effect that this stuff has on our life. You know, what we're watching, what we're listening to. Uh, so if you do good, you are righteous. And if you bless people, love people, pray for people and serve people, you are like Christ. Amen. He came to serve, not to be served. However, if you steal things, you're a thief. If you hate somebody, you're a murderer. And if you lie, you're a liar. Mm. You know, Jesus says if you hate someone with your heart, you've committed murder in your heart. If you steal things, and it can be anything, it can be the smallest thing. You just see a pen, you know, you got it in your hand, you know, when you write something and they lend you a pen and you don't give it back. If you do if you deliberately hold the pen because you're short on a pen, you've stolen it. But um, I usually walk out with it in my hand. <laughs> Not knowing, you know, you have to go back, oh, I'm so sorry, here's the pen. You know, the other thing too is, you know, there's little things. God, God picks you up on all sorts of things. Like if you buy something and the, the uh, shopkeeper gives you $20 too much change and you know, you don't walk out saying, oh, I count my blessings. <laughs> <laughs> no, go back. Go back. Hey, Bina. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> yeah, thank you for the error. <laughs> no, I believe it's a test. Go back and say, yeah. you know. Um, you if you're home and it's miles away. Doesn't matter. <laughs> 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 trying to give us an excuse there. <laughs> what if it's only dollar fifty? <laughs> but um, you, you know, when you do go back and you say, "Look, you gave me twenty dollars too much change," and you got this, you know, teenage girl. Oh, okay, no worries. And they just do it in their hand. And you walk off, you think, gee, they didn't even say thank you for being honest. You feel like, I should stop. Yeah, but don't care. It's not, a, it's not for you to get your reward then. It's for God to give you the reward. Amen. Yeah. Uh, once we, um, uh, remember John Reynolds' Music City? John Reynolds, he's not around. He came back for a little bit of time and he's not around again or anymore. The place is closed down. But it, we uh, bought some stuff off John Reynolds. We used to buy quite a bit of musical equipment over the years. And there was one time we went there and he gave us 20, uh, not him, but one of his staff gave us $20 too much change. And I got home and I said, Damn, they've actually given us over, over uh, or under charged us. So I rang up John Reynolds and said, you know, John, um, just want to let you know, we've, uh, just to keep in mind that uh, your shop assistant gave us $20 too much change. So next time we're in, we'll, we'll give it back to you. And he goes, Rob, you know, I've been in this business for like 35, 40 years. He says, I've never had anyone make that phone call. <laughs> and when we went back, he walked around the, th the shop with us and he says, here, have this, have this, have this. And he gave us about 50 bucks worth of stuff. Vina and I were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but, you know, people don't expect it, you know. So it's a good witness. And, and, you know, living epistles. That's what the whole, the name of the sermon is. Be honest and fair in everything. You are what you look at. I love that little emoji. Another one on the... Yeah, I love those big eyes. So cute. So you are what you look at. 
This is a big one today, especially Matthew 6, 22 to 23. Your eyes like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. So when your eyes are healthy, and what's that? it's not just healthy physically, healthy from the things it's looking at and sees. But when your eye is unhealthy, not looking at the right things, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So if you think you've got light by the things you're looking at, you're in deep darkness. In deep darkness. So beware of the things that we look at. And as a Christian, you know, I've, uh, you can be going to supposedly Christian sites and getting taught some deeper secrets, you know, that's in a lot of respects beyond Scripture. We shouldn't go beyond the Word, should we? The Word tells us not to go beyond. But these, these guys tend to go travel too far beyond the Word. And sometimes it gets quite dark and frightening. Who's had those experiences in some of the things that you've looked at? So you've got to be careful how deep is that darkness and how far can it uh, redirect you away from the things of God. And I remember there was, um, I've had periods in my life where I've got right into, you know, conspiracies and the things that are going on in the world. And, and you know what, you've got to be aware of conspiracies. Ian and I were talking about different conspiracies that you, you've come across yourself in organisations and so on. Um, and uh, my son was discovered a conspiracy um, while studying on his thesis um, uh, to do with something that happened. And, uh, and But he's very careful not to actually put it in his thesis, though, because... Uh, it could get him into trouble in various ways. But um, the, the point is, is things, you can look into these things, and I was getting into a point where I was probably more interested in all of that stuff than I was the Bible. Who's been there? To where you've, you know, months and months and months, you're just studying all these things that are going on in the world, and you haven't read the Bible in months. And when you read the Bible, it seems very simplistic. It doesn't seem to have the penetrating power that it's supposed to have. And that's because the dark, we've got to be careful of the light that we consider is in us. Is it the light of Christ or is it a darkness that's, that's crept in? And usually the sign that it's, we've got the right light in us is when we open the Word of God, it just blesses us immensely. You know what I mean? And it's deep and it's moving. You know? So that's where you know that you're in the light is when it lines with Scripture, Scripture just lifts you. Amen? Yeah. Now, your eyes are the window to your soul. It is so crucial you guard what you look at. And be careful to not allow yourself to sin with your eyes. Be careful that you don't allow yourself to sin with your eyes. And it's very, very easy these days. You know, you open your computer and, and it's so easy. You open your TV set, it's so easy. You get in the car and you drive down along the coastline for a drive on a summer's day. It's so easy to fall into uh, sin. You are what you pray. So you are what you pray. The man who spends time with God becomes like God. You know, those you become like those you spend time with. Who, who's heard that? Yes. Yeah. So a man is measured in the kingdom of God not by how much money he has or what status. He, he achieved on earth, or by his looks or talent or his knowledge or any other thing the world makes such a big deal of. No, a man is measured in the kingdom of God by how well he knows Jesus. 
When you get to heaven, it's not because you were successful in business. It's not because you aced university. It's not because you know you're incredibly good looking and you've built your body up into this you know Arnold Schwarzenegger like you know muscle mass. It's none of these things are considered by God. It's how well you know Jesus. He's got to be first. Amen. He must be first. Everything else we do is secondary to that. So the prayer life maketh the man. You are what you believe. What you believe about life and faith has a huge impact on who you are. In the world, what you believe either makes you a success or a failure. As a Christian, what you believe, the doctrines you hold, can either make you a living epistle or make you of no use to God whatsoever. So what you believe about Christianity, how you believe it to be for you, is going to make you either useful to God or not useful to God. So it's really important that you um, become useful to God. And if you're not useful to God, you've got to ask, well, what am I holding? What am I believing about Christianity? What has got to change in my thinking to do with Christianity that is going to make me useful? And we've got to question that. We've got to look at our life. We've got to analyse our life, look over our life and say, How, have I been useful to God all these years? Or have I been not useful. And then I've got to start making changes. I've got to start seeking God. What do I have to change? How can I be useful? What do you want me to do? You know, because uh, I've said it many times, you don't want to get to heaven and then Jesus says, you know, you're meant to do this, 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 this. And you say, well, you know, it would have been good if you told me, Lord. But then the Lord said, well, I would have told you, but you didn't come and spend time with me and find out what I had for you to do. You're too in a hurry to do all the other things that you place so much importance on. You know what I'm saying? And we all fall under that, don't we? So we've got to become useful to God. So John 6, 47. Let's turn there. John 6, 47. And it says, I, will tell, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. You've got to believe. You've got to believe to have everlasting life. But you're not just got to believe. You've got to believe correctly correctly to have everlasting life and there is many people as Jesus has said many people come before him on that day and he will have to reject them from the kingdom of heaven because they didn't believe the right way so make sure and I'm not saying anyone here doesn't believe the right way just make sure you analyze yourself you reflect on your days you reflect on your life and look over your life and be hard on yourself be harder on yourself than you know your parents would be you know, if they were to give you uh, input into it, what you need to change in your life. You know what I mean? Be really hard on yourself so that you can correct a whole bunch of things. And I call that life re-evaluation. And I think it's, it's critical that every single person has a journal called life re-evaluation. And re-evaluate where you're going, what you're doing, what are you thinking, what are you, what are you holding as valuable in your life, what are you doing with your life, and, and what are your plans and aspirations, and, and how does that fit in with God, and how can I make my life uh, tomorrow better than it was today? How can I improve myself every single day in the eyes of God? But also in the eyes of man too, because you want to also be helpful to people in, in the things that you do in the workplace, and all that, because we can't forget that, because... That's what we spend most of our time doing is, you know, we spend it in the workplace or we spend it at home and out with our families or whatever. We've got to become better all the time. Amen. 
So it is so critical that we have a balanced belief system, not only of Christianity, but of life in general. Have a balanced belief. I believe good Christian people should not just be good Christian people, they should be, um, in the eyes of the world, exemplary people. And the word even says that, the, um, that make sure that people from outside who look on your life cannot find fault with you because of the kind of life that you lead. And it's, it's so above reproach that people just have to say, you know, that guy is a good guy. You know, I've rarely heard, except for people who make up lies, anyone say a bad word about Jesus as a person. They all admit, yeah, he was a good guy. Don't they? Yeah. Generally. I'm not saying there's always the minority that will say otherwise and say it's all lies, what they say in the Bible and so on. But most people's view of Jesus is that he was a really good guy. And then I would say that my next question would be, well, why do you hate him so much? And they can't give you an answer. They can't explain why they hate him. But he's just a... But they know he was a good guy. So he's above reproach. And we've got to be like that as living epistles. You become like those you associate with. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. There are friends we should hold dear and spend time with and there's others whom we should spend less time with. Amen. Who's got friends that you, should, you know you should spend more time with? Yeah? People that are really good influences, and you know them. You know you go, you leave when you leave their homes. You don't feel filthy, yeah. But there's other people when you leave, and you just think, oh, gee, I have to go and pray for half an hour just to shake off all this garbage that they've just placed on me. Time spent with our Saviour also changes who we are. So we become like those we associate with. Surround yourself with five losers, losers, and you'll be the sixth. <laughs> Get around a bunch of idiots and you become just like them. So don't get around losers. Get around people with very similar interests and desires and passions as you. You know, we've got you know a, a great church here and, and uh, most of us now are starting to get... Um, uh, there's more in each of our age groups. Do you know what I mean? So spend more time with each other because, you know, we're a good influence on each other. And that's why our fellowship is, is very strong as well after, after church because... You know, we all get along so well. We all influence each other positively. We say, you know, we all build each other up with um, interesting um, truths that we've come to uh, in Scripture and, and a range of things. So please spend more time with each other, but also um, reach out to those around you um, that are also believers and, and think the same way as you. But also, if you, you know, whatever you do, you know, get around positive people in your field. Don't hang around the ding-dongs at your workplace hang around the good guys. <laughs> the ding What's that word? That word in that movie? Um, what did you say? Um, that you always laughed when I used... Uh, ning-nong. <laughs> ning Where I came in from in Victoria, everyone was a ning-nong. And the kids, you go, what? A ning-nong? What's a ning-nong? Ding-a-ling. Ning-nong is a ding <laughs> Proverbs 13.20 He who walks with the wise grows wise but a companion of fools suffers harm. He who walks with the wise grows wise. Hang around with wise people. Hang around with people that want to know the truth, want to grow in the truth. So important. And that's it.
my um, sermon just finished all of a sudden. What? <laughs> 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 it down. It's over. Right, let's go. All right. Has that been a blessing to you? Yes. Uh, I'm glad. It's, um, I, I sort of had it on my heart to preach on that because I feel that we've really got to, you know, check all these areas. Who wrote? Who kept some notes on that? Mm, yep. yep. So you, you can keep check on all those different things. But remember, it's you know what we're seeing, what we're saying, what we're thinking, what we're doing. All these things affect who we are. We've got to just check ourselves constantly. Get that life reevaluation journal going. It's really good to sit down and reevaluate your life, look over your life, write out your goals and things that you want to achieve in life and, and do those things because God wants us to become people, productive people while we're living. Amen. And um, and he also also makes sure that some of the most important goals that you set are things to do with God. Yes. And um, there's a, a, a common saying that they say, when you dream, dream big. You know, if you're going to dream, dream big. Like if you're going to write goals about God that you want to do, things you want to do for God, have big dreams for God. You know, say, God, what would you like me to do? I know I don't think I can do anything of any substance, but you must have some goals for me. And then the first thing that you write normally is the thing that God has been stirring in your heart. But then you write it and you think, there's no way I can achieve that. Who's had that experience in just any goal that you write down? But it's not about that. It's about setting that goal and reading that goal and believing until God enables you. And then that's the way to become more. Like doing what I'm doing now was once, many years before I started doing it, Vina will tell you, my goal was to minister for the Lord. And that was a goal, and I've had that goal for 25 years now. And when that, um, and I prayed about it, oh, open up an opportunity, oh, open up the ability for me to uh, speak the truth for you, in, in your name. And for years and years and years and years and years, no door opened up. But I kept believing, I kept believing, I kept believing. And then one day, um, the opportunity came. So, and so God does that in your life. He can make things happen. If you believe that God's calling you to this or calling you to that, then write it down and start praying about it. But it is, and write down all the things to do with the things that you want to achieve in life, like your um, uh, career goals and the hobby goals and all the things that you want to achieve. And what make them big? You know, I always say to Alicia, you know, aim to play at Wimbledon as a tennis player. Don't just aim to play at, you know, a local tournament. Wimbledon, you know, go for the big one. And they reckon if you aim for the stars, at least you get to the top of the tree. You know, but if you aim for the top of the tree, you might just get to the trunk. You, know? <laughs> you want to get to the top of the tree. Amen. All right, that's it. Around the shopping centres. Oh, that's good. Just you miss the bargains. Miss Flash fire. All right. Well, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this uh, uh, time to minister to these wonderful people. And I just pray that the words that I've spoken today will bless them and and uh, lift them up and uh, and help them to um, uh, just move forward in this Christian life. Theirs, Lord, and I just pray your spirit just to um, really work on us in all these areas that I discussed today, and that you help us to sort out things that we feel we're, you know, uh, if we're short in certain things, Lord, help us to uh, change and be transformed by the spirit. But may we cooperate with your spirit, Lord. May we uh, uh, work with you on developing the life in us that you've called us to, uh, to live. And so, Lord, I just place this um, sermon and, and the effect of this sermon in your capable hands to do a, an incredible work in every single life here. And I pray that everyone would bless this week and that we'd have a wonderful uh, 
uh, week uh, um, doing all the things that we do and may you bring everyone back together next Sunday um, healthy and um, filled with the Spirit. And I pray uh, also for everyone that didn't uh, get here today that we'll see them all healthy and happy uh, next week. Um, bring them back um, and protect them all in your precious name. So just bless us all now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Good job, Rob. Oh, thank, you. That. thank you. God bless you all.